Yes, sir. This episode of the Golf Guide podcast is brought to you by GolfGuide.net. It's just, just generally an awesome place to save up to 70% on golf all over Northern California, as well as Reno, Tahoe, and Southern Oregon. So next time you go to GolfGuide.net, use the promo code GGPODCAST, and you can save 10% on any purchase of $25 or more. Again, that's promo code GGPODCAST on GolfGuide.net. Go go play some golf and save a little bit. Anyway, all right, we got a podcast to do. Let's get to it. Well, everybody, it's uh, it's pretty much here. The Ryder Cup is just a few hours away. At 11 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Thursday, I guess this would be September the 27th, uh, we are going to have USA v. Europe. Uh, at you know, it, it, you know, anybody listening to this is probably already in agreement with me that it is one of the finest uh, spectacles in all of golf. It's going to be a ton of fun. Uh, the tee times and the pairings for session one on Thursday morning uh, out in Paris have just been announced, so I'll go over those with you real quick. But uh, before we actually get uh, into any, you know, this quick little preview of the Ryder Cup that I've got for you guys, I do have to touch on the other significant event in golf that took place this week, and that is, of course, Tiger Woods finishing second in the FedEx Cup. I mean, it was it was absolutely fantastic. I mean... Justin Rose, hard fought. Uh, Tiger almost caught up to him, but you know, with a with a st- fantastic second place finish uh, in the FedEx Club, you know, playoffs, whatever the fuck they are, it, it it was just really really magical. So a fine run from Tiger, all the way to runner up. But let's be real, he did so by winning the Tour Championship, which is, <laughs> I mean, come on, I mean the the guy is incredible. Um, you know, Tiger's win at the Tour Championship, as uh, you could expect and uh, you probably already experienced personally uh, was very likely the best win on the PGA Tour this season and I'm not saying that in terms of just the performance itself I'm just talking about the emotion uh, of the event and the effect that it had on the golfing world and also on the casual golf fan nope no person in all of sports brings in outside casual fans more so than Tiger Woods and I know the final round TV ratings for uh, you know Sunday at Eastlake was over 200% of what they were expecting, and that is the Tiger effect. Tiger's effect on golf, on the economy, and pretty much just on sporting life is second to none. And when he is doing well, it is just it, it's it's absolutely insane the effect that it has on everything that's even partially related to golf. If Tiger Woods starts playing well and starts winning consistently again. You can see private clubs' uh, membership jump up. You can see rounds played at annual courses spike. Uh, you can see golf equipment sales go through the roof. TV ratings for golf events are going to go crazy. And, uh, you know, it's it's very difficult to not get ahead of oneself. You know, when you finally see Tiger get back in the winner's circle, I mean, I, I could tell you right now, the little kid in me, my mind went to a wild, wild place when Tiger won this past Sunday. And... I'm not ashamed of it. I'm really trying to temper my expectations, but it was really, really tough. As soon as Tiger won that event on Sunday, I got to admit, the first thing that I thought of was, man, can you imagine the storyline? Tiger Woods, the most dominant player in his sport, just with the most insane 
12-year run in the history of golf and possibly the most dominant 12-year run in the history of American sport. And finally, Hydrant Gate happens. His wife tries to bash him over the head with a golf club. He loses his confidence. He stops winning majors. His body breaks down. He disappears. He's not a part of the golfing ethos in any serious aspect for almost a decade, right? I mean, I know Tiger was winning tournaments all throughout, you know, up, up to through 2013, but, you know, without any majors, it, it, Tiger just doesn't have the juice that uh, that he does when he's winning major championships. So let, let's just say for almost a decade, he, he disappears. You know, at the end of that decade, he gets a DUI. You know, he's, he's driving under the influence of all kinds of pills and whatever else he's doing. He's just, you know, under a, a haze of, you know, blonde hair, boobs, and, and pharmaceuticals. I mean, he just, he really can't get his life back together. And then slowly, he starts to make his way back. Slowly, with a couple of, you know, a handful of top ten finishes in his first year back, capped off with his first win in the Tour Championship that just sets off the second part of his career where he's not nearly as dominant as he was in the first half, that first 12-year run, but he uses this, his intellect, the strategy. That, I mean, when Tiger was talking about in his uh, post-round press conference about how he hit that little bump and run on one of the greens up there where you know, he was trying to decide between a lob wedge and a 56, and you know, he actually you know, de-lofted his lob wedge a little bit and ended up putting a little hook spin on it to kind of give it a little extra. I'm like, I, I know a lot of guys on the PGA Tour are thinking about these kinds of things, but to actually hear Tiger vocalize it, it it was immediately apparent to me that he is actually thinking about things on another level. This guy just has so much experience to draw off of that even if he's not physically what he was, he absolutely has an advantage over the majority of the guys on tour. And, you know, to, my mind started wandering thinking about, man, this guy might actually be able to win five more majors. Can you imagine if Tiger just went on another crazy, awesome, like six to seven year run that included four or five major championships? I mean, it almost would be too fitting for him to tie Jack and, and, and basically have it be, a, you know, both of them with 18 major championships in their career. Because, I mean, it's you can't deny the fact that the two of them are certainly the two best golfers uh, of the modern era. And their careers just took such wildly different paths to get to the end point, but uh, you know, ha having them both finish with 18 is almost starting to seem like the most fitting outcome. Um, but anyway, Tiger's win just had me thinking all sorts of crazy nonsense. You know, thinking about him, and I, I think we all have to prepare and remind ourselves that he is still playing golf on a fused spine. It's very possible that you know things unfortunately could go south physically, uh, health-wise for Tiger Woods going forward, but. We are absolutely going to enjoy every second of this right now. And uh, that, that win that he had at Eastlake was absolutely vintage Tiger Woods in the sense that he had a run where he absolutely just ended the golf tournament. On the morning on Saturday, when he went out and birdied six of the first seven holes while everybody else was struggling to make pars, um, he won the championship right there. In, in the span of, what, like an hour and a half, he built up like a four- to five-stroke lead and it was over. And as soon as Tiger had a commanding lead with several strokes between him and second place, you know, it, it got to that thing that we used to see from you know Tiger's wins back in his heyday in that it was just beautifully non-competitive. He had such a big lead and his presence was so dominating that the rest of the field in pressing, you know, was pressing to try to make up strokes and make birdies. And the combination of them pressing to catch up with Tiger effing Woods 
the most dominant player of our lifetimes, and the guy that a lot of these dudes on tour grew up idolizing was just too much. The spectacle of Tiger and trying to catch up to him, uh, it honestly made everybody else in the field just completely worthless. Uh, the only guy that didn't seem to be phased was Billy Horschel, and he uh, he backdoored his way up into a, a runner-up. But, I mean, it, it was just unbelievably awesome to watch. Tiger's win at Eastlake was fantastic. And, uh, yeah, I, I hope all of you enjoyed it as much as I did. It was really, really fantastic, and uh, hopefully there's more to come from Tiger going forward, which uh, leads me uh, to in, you know into the transition uh, for this weekend's Ryder Cup. Of course, Tiger Woods will be participating. Um, and as of recording this podcast early on Thursday morning, uh, just, you know, roughly 13, 14 hours before the Ryder Cup is going to be kicking off, uh, the session one pairings have been announced. And, uh, it seems as though the vaunted, uh, duo of Jordan Spieth and Patrick Reed will be broken up, uh, for the first session of the Ryder Cup. Uh, let's go through these pairings real quick. Uh, in the first session, we're going to have two-time, uh, 2018 major champion Brooks Kepka and Tony Finau. Versus Justin Rose and John Rahm. That is going to be awesome. Uh, number two, uh, Dustin Johnson and Ricky Fowler versus Rory and Thorbjorn Olsen. Ah, that's going to be so good, too. You know, I, I don't know if any of you guys have had a chance to go into social media and look at the pictures that the uh, the players took for the welcome dinner at the Palace of Versailles. Uh, DJ is there with Paulina. Uh, they are not smiling while everybody else is smiling. It seems a little depressing, and in all honesty, you know, I know they have children together, but it, it, maybe it's better for DJ just to rid himself of Paulina altogether. I, I, I don't know. She's obviously beautiful, but just taking, you know, ob- observing through a social media lens, it doesn't, it doesn't seem super healthy between those two right now. But anyway, the third pairing, homies, Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas. Yeah, yeah. Jordan and Justin are going to be playing together versus none other than Paul Casey and Tyrell Hatton. And then finally, the last match of the, mor- uh, the morning session on Thursday is going to be 2018 Masters champion Patrick Reed versus 2018 Tour Championship winner Tiger Woods playing against 2018 Open Championship winner Frankie Molinari and none other than the long-haired savant, Mr. Tommy Fleetwood. Um, There is nothing but fire, absolute fire, uh, on the early morning session, and it's going to be absolutely fantastic. Now, you may be asking yourself, Kyle, this uh, this tournament is taking place in in Paris. The, these times might be a little off. Uh, to which I reply, yes, yes, they are going to be very difficult to watch. Uh, you can watch them. You are just going to have to sacrifice a work day or two and a lot of sleep. Now, if you're going to be watching the Ryder Cup this weekend, uh, just keep in mind that NBC is going to be carrying all of the coverage. Um, Friday's rounds, which are going to be taking place on you know all of Thursday night for us here on the West Coast is going to be broadcast on the Golf Channel, but of course, you know, Golf Channel is an NBC property, and then uh, the actual NBC network will be carrying the Ryder Cup Saturday and Sunday. Now, if you're curious what the times are going to be, uh, it appears the first uh, group for the morning session on uh, day one is going to be teeing off at 11.10 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Thursday. And that is pretty much the same time that things are going to be getting going both uh, Thursday and Friday night for us here on the West Coast. And then for the final day for the singles matches taking place, um, those won't start until 3 a.m. on Saturday night for us Pacific Coast golf fans. So if you are going to be watching a lot of the Ryder Cup this year, again, you just better have a shitload of coffee, 
uh, and just a lot, a lot of energy because it's going to be a ton of fun. It's going to be a great. Um, I was already reading this morning that uh, one of my favorite golf writers, not Alan Shipnuck, uh, Jeff Shackelford, says this is probably going to be the best venue that we've had for the Ryder Cup um, in many, many, many years uh, for a variety of reasons. But number one is that it is simply a, it's a venue built for a tournament like this. It's like a mix of bad, super penal, like 1980s architecture combined with a massive stadium, right? So the first tee, and I know this has been built up a lot, but the very first tee uh, is a place you don't typically think of having a massive grandstand, right? Um, but no, no, no. At Le Golf National, um, the first tee grandstand is going to seat 6,000 900 people and just for a little reference two years ago at Hazeltine that really raucous first tee where you know American fans were getting just hammered drunk at seven o'clock in the morning yelling and making all kinds of noise um and it was a pretty large grandstand from what you all recall for a first tee that grandstand saw, sat 1668 people the first tee at Le Golf National is going to seat almost 7,000 it is going to be a wild wild time out on the first tee for the Ryder Cup this weekend. Uh, the players are already talking about how they're going to be dealing with the nerves. You know, Rory McIlroy and Sergio Garcia uh, already giving, you know, first-time uh, Ryder Cup rookie Tommy Fleetwood uh, advice on how to handle all the nerves on the first tee. And, you know, they're openly talking about it, which means they are pumped and they are very, very excited. So it's going to be fantastic. This, this golf course, from everything I've read, is really built for championships. You know, as I said, you know, the stadium setup, just the crowds are going to be wild. And Get ready for this. This is the last little bit that I'll uh, I'll leave you guys with before we take off and, and just focus on playing golf. They are expecting 270,000 fans for the Ryder Cup this weekend. Keep that. That is three days of golf. So what we're talking about is there's going to be an average of 90,000 fans per day at the Ryder Cup. That is a astronomical number. Um, that that has got to be one of the most um, visited golf events on the sporting count. It, it, it's it crazy. And unfortunately for the Americans, they are anticipating that of those 270,000 fans that are expected to show up for the Ryder Cup this weekend, that a lofty 9% of them are expected to be supporting the Americans. So this is very obviously is going to be uh, leaning heavily towards the European side in terms of fan support. Um, it's probably what they deserve. You know, the crowds in Hazeltine were, I mean, to put it nicely, were dickheads uh, to, to the European team. And so I, I honestly believe that the continent of Europe has, you know, slightly better manners. But, hey, I, I never want to uh, anticipate, you know, somebody not being a jerk off at a sporting event. So, hey, we're, we're going to, you know, hope for the best, prepare for the worst. But uh, it either way, it should be an absolutely raucous amazing, enthusiastic, energy-filled event um, that I hope all of you are planning on watching. I know I certainly will be. I've uh, been somewhat checked out of watching professional golf these past couple weeks. I've just been too busy out playing golf, you know? it's I, I hate to break it to you, but playing golf is actually more fun than watching golf, but in this particular case with the Ryder Cup, I would argue that watching this tournament is pretty much as much fun as you will have watching golf at any point all year. So, with that being said, I hope you guys all enjoy the Ryder Cup. Hope you enjoy this brief Golf Guide podcast. Uh, in case you're looking for a nice discount around a golf, don't forget to go to golfguide.net and use a promo code GGPODCAST to save 25% or to save 10% on $25 or more. Maybe I'll have a 25% sale sometime soon. But either way, I hope you guys enjoy the Ryder Cup. Enjoy Tiger Woods. 
enjoy the just spectacle that is the Ryder Cup. So until next week, mahalo. Mahalo.